0: Everybody, Daniel Ramsey here with my out desk. I'm um really excited cuz today we have a special guest. We're going to be talking about the Airbnb market, how the market is transforming, short-term rentals. One stat that I looked up before this was that, you know, Airbnb and and all the different kind of short-term rental markets now have more rooms available than all of the other major hotels in the world. So, it's kind of it blows your mind because it's only been here, I don't know, five, 10 years. And uh, so we've, we've got a, a special guest, Michael Sogren on, that's how you say his name, Sogren. He shared it with me. I was like, okay, good. Um, and Michael, thanks for being here today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited.
0: Yep. And so we're going to dive deep into how this model is shifting the whole real estate landscape, how to make money at it. What are the you know how to how to actually do it right so he's been doing it for a while now and we'll dive into his story before we get going you guys all know my outdesk. we're a real estate virtual assistant company what we do is we help people get talent simple period if you're an entrepreneur right now and you're running around with your head on fire you never get everything done your your team's about to quit because they're overworked and we are the solution we help people get talent and instantly scale businesses that are growing. Now, for the show, Michael, share with us what everybody's gonna get if they stick around to the end. And we've got lots of participants, and we love interaction, so if you're live right now, I'm in Tahoe, so I'm gonna go ahead and, and type in, I'm in Tahoe right now, and it is amazing up here. And so it's, I, go ahead, type where you're from, and what the weather's like, Michael, if everybody sticks around towards the end of this thing, what are they going to get from you?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to give them uh, this new book that I just wrote called the Airbnb Guys 13 Must Have Items for Your Short-Term Rental. And it's a lot of the things that most people overlook. And there's a lot of key pieces of technology that you're going to want to have in the units to help you manage them from wherever and to automate it as much as humanly possible. Right. So.
0: Okay, Michael's from Boston. It's beautiful there. Um, Osprey from Florida. Woohoo! We got Florida. That's where you have some of your properties, right, Michael?
1: Yes, we got one up in Rosemary Beach,
0: There you which go. is between
1: Destin and Panama City.
0: So There you go. There you go. Okay, so before we get going into the content, Michael, tell us your story. Like, you're married, you've got a daughter, you, you're, you're a coach, entrepreneur, you own a bunch of properties, and you're helping other people do this. But let's start at the beginning. Who is
1: Michael? Sure. So uh, like, like a lot of people, right? I always heard the advice like go to school, get good grades, get a good job and put 10% in a 401k and you're going to be set someday, right? And so right. I followed that path for a little while. I, I went to school, got an accounting degree and worked for a CPA firm. And uh, I remember in my early 20s thinking, all right, how can I make more income now? Like I'm kind of flatlining as a salary. And they were like, just go back to school, get your MBA, you know, study your butt off. So I'm like, okay, cool. I went back, spent three years of my life studying, got this piece of paper that says I'm smarter. I know how to take tests. And I I went back to my boss and I was like, all right, here we go. And he was like, cool, here's a $2,500 bonus and like a pat on the back. And I was like, are you kidding me? And he's like, no, no, no. But there's one more thing. Just go back and get your CPA license and then you're going to be set. Like, just, just do that and then you're good. So, I went back, spent another two years studying every day after, after work, right? Nights and weekends. Passed the CPA exam, went back. I'm like, boom, show me the money, baby. And they were like, here's another 2,500 bucks and a 5% raise. Just stick around for the next 20 years and you're going to make partner at some point. And I was like, I'm out. This is ridiculous. I'm like, I I need a better way, right? So, that's when I started reading a lot of these books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad and all these different things and studying real estate. And, um, you know, started buying property in I think 25, we bought our first property and it was just a house that we were going to live in. We bought it right. A few years later, we sold that, made some money on it and, you know, rolled that and rolled that. And long story short, um, things changed a lot when my wife and I uh, had our- son Caden who's uh, an amazing three-year-old and uh, he was born with some health challenges though and he had a very rare lung disease and uh, we had we spent a lot of time at Boston Children's Hospital and fortunately we're close to one of the best kids hospitals on the planet but we spent a lot of time there and I remember we were there at one point for about three weeks straight and I remember sitting there and this horrible feeling like stabbed me in the gut and I was like I've been here for three weeks. I'm out of vacation time. I'm out of sick time. My paychecks are going to stop coming in and all these medical bills are piling up. And I, it was the worst feeling like at the point in time when my family needed me the most, I had to leave to go back to work. And I remember thinking to myself, I made a promise. I'm like, I am going to find a way to create enough passive income that I will never have to trade time for money again. I will never put myself in this situation again. Mm -hmm. And so I started, you know, joining mastermind groups and learning as much as I can about rental property and real estate and all these different things. And then I stumbled across short-term rentals. And so right around that time, fortunately, you know, uh, our son grew out of that disease and he was back to normal and everything was great. And we're like, all right, we're going to celebrate and I'm going to buy a vacation rental for us. Like it's been a long two years. It's been crazy. And um, I was just learning about short-term rentals. And so I'm like, all right, let's do this. Like we, we need- What year was
0: this? What year was this?
1: This was in October of 2017. Okay. Um, it's a couple of years ago-ish. Um, and so we bought that property and some folks were telling me how that, <clears throat> if you bought a property like this and you rented it out short term, instead of cash flowing 100 to 300 bucks a month, like a 12 month lease you could cash flow a 1,000 to 2,000 a month, like after everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that sounds unbelievable, right? So sure enough, right, we we buy this thing, we renovate it, get it ready to go furnish it. We're using it at least once a month. I'm actually heading up in probably 12 hours to go up there for the long weekend, but um, yeah, just like they said, it was 1,200 to 1,500 a month consistently positive cash flow after all expenses. Right. Just to put that in perspective, you know, it was about a 25, 30% cash on cash return for this is a vacation rental that I was using every month. So I was like, this is amazing, but I need to, I need to scale this now. And I put most of my liquid cash into this. So it's going to take me a while to save up for another property. So I'm like, well, what if I, what if I started like a management company just for short-term rentals? And I could partner with landlords that were trying to fill their units. And I said, Hey, if you furnish it, I'll manage it and I'll 2 to 4x the revenue on this property. Mm. And, you know, I got a lot of no's at first. A lot of people were scared and, you know,
0: anytime there's something
1: new, right? Exactly. Who is this guy? guy, Um, But eventually I got a couple people to say yes, right? And I started integrating all my systems and, and getting them results. And it was kind of a snowball effect, right? It went from one to two to four to five to seven, and now I'm working on a, a much larger like resort style acquisition with some of those people that I've been working with. So it, once you get the first couple and you're showing results, it's pretty easy to, to snowball it because the cash flow is, is so good yeah. um, quite frankly on this model. And so, you know, from that point, <clears throat> I kind of hit that target of like, if I don't want to work anymore, I really don't have to, but I also implemented systems where I could do this business in less than two hours a week in multiple States. And so, now I'm just like super passionate about like showing other people how to do this as I continue to grow. As you were mentioning, I've got some coaching students now and it's, it's just, I'm having a blast doing that quite frankly. Um, but it's, it's been such a cool ride. And so it's, it's a new niche. I just came back from Puerto Rico yesterday with 20 other operators from all over the globe that, you know, are doing all sorts of crazy stuff, literally from Australia to South Africa to Israel to Canada, like it was, it was really cool. Just like seeing everybody else's businesses and how they're operating. So it's been a blast, man. Like, I love it. So knock that out. I mean, here, if you're (laughs) listening right now and you're a real estate broker,
0: I used to tell, you know, we've, so one of the cool things in the top thousand, we've served a ton of those real estate um, folks and they're always looking for additional revenue sources. They'll own title companies, they'll own mortgage companies they'll own property management companies. And what's crazy about property management is it's really, really hard. Property management is really hard to make money. You gotta have 500 units or more in a traditional model. But that's not the case here for Airbnb, for the short-term rentals. That's just not the case. So Michael, what are some, like if you can break down the model for people so that they can see this as an opportunity to juice their returns, especially as we're going through this 10-year expansion you know, you know, real estate people are worried is what's going to happen. You know, we have to have a correction at some point. And so we're all looking for additional streams of income. So break down the model. So everybody that's listening has a full understanding of how it works.
1: Yeah, for sure. And just to kind of piggyback on what you just said, right? It also helps your, you know, if you're an agent or a broker, it also helps your buyers Feel comfortable, you know, maybe pushing their budget a little bit more to get that nicer property if they know in the back of their head, hey, when when I'm traveling, I could put this up there for a week, two weeks, three weeks or whatever and generate some serious cash flow. Um, But as far as the model goes, right, I'll just, I'll give you an example. I'd approached somebody uh, locally, not in Boston, I don't operate in Boston, but about 30 minutes outside of the city. So it's just a small town outside of the city. And I approached this gentleman and I said, he was renting out this this one bedroom, one bath property for about two thousand a month, and so <clears throat> I said, "Tell you what, there's some data points. Everybody, write this website down if you're watching. If you go to AirDNA.co, amazing website, and it's a website that pulls all the data from Airbnb and HomeAway, and you can plug in an address and it'll show you all the comps and it'll give you an estimate on how much it'll bring in and your occupancy." Wow. So, so I printed out this little report for this owner, and I said, "Hey." Based on this address and the way that it's set up, I'm confident that this property could bring in 40000 a year instead of twenty four that you're currently doing. Now, you're going to need to spend about 10000 to furnish it because I was converting it into more of like a quasi two-bedroom. Right. Um, but if you do that, I'm confident I could increase your revenue like net-net after my fees and everything by at least 500 a month. Right. So, I'll increase your revenue by 25%. You furnish it. I'll handle all the operations, right? I'll handle the cleanings. I'll handle the supplies, restockings, guest communication, marketing, everything. Mm-hmm. I'll handle all that. You make that investment and then we'll go from there. And uh, he was like, it sounds pretty interesting. He was uh, open to the idea. And so for the last eight months with that property, I mean, he's, he's been killing it. Um, this past month, we did 5,200 in revenue. He netted about 3,200. Uh, this month for July, we've got $8,000 in bookings. It's, I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, and it has, it ebbs, every market has its ebbs and flows, but for a market like this, there's, it's not like a touristy market quite frankly. It's not like, it's not like your stereotypical market. And that's the point that I'm always trying to convey to folks is you don't have to be in Tahoe. You don't have to be at a beach. Like you don't even have to be in a major city, right? Like it, it can work if, and I don't know if you want to get into it right away, but just some of the different traveler profiles that I was telling you about earlier, right?
0: Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, because you're, you're advanced, we're all beginners. Let's slow it down. Hey, everybody, Daniel Ramsey here, and I want to tell you about an extraordinary offer to take action and start scaling your business Right now, you know I get a lot of questions about how to grow your business, generate more revenue, and reduce expenses, and the answer is simple. It's MyOutDesk Virtual Assistants. MyOutDesk offers five-star virtual assistant services to thousands of business professionals across the United States, and making our clients over $100 million in net revenue every year. Our customers absolutely love our virtual assistants and i want to give you the opportunity to learn exactly why simply text the word mod mod to 31996 and we're going to give you a free double my business strategy call So you've taken this guy at who was, who was making two grand a month and you moved him to netting $3,200 a month. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So his net on the two grand was probably 500 or 600 bucks a month. I'm, I'm just kind of, if we could compare net to net. Yeah. You
1: know? So let's, when I say net, I mean, after paying my fees, cleaning fees, everything else, he brought in 3,200 as opposed to 2, okay.
0: Okay, so let's, I mean, here it is, you've just increased the value of that property by 50%. And that I think is the most important thing is that rental properties, income properties, their valuation, it's, there's definitely a market valuation piece, but it's really about the amount of money that it can generate. So in that instance, you increase the valuation overnight by 50%. Yes. And is that, and what does that owner think
1: of you? I mean, he loves it. And that's one of the ones that wants to partner with me on this resort deal because he's like, this is unbelievable. Right. So now he wants to ramp it up because the cash flow is just incredible.
0: Right. Okay. Cool, man. So um, that's the model. And let's talk about this airdna.co. We've put the link in the, in the thing. Because here's the next piece we've just sold the concept, right? Helping somebody double their income or increase their valuation and, and then maybe even have a property that they can use. So that's Mm -hmm. a great idea. But next step, let's, let's talk about how you select, like what are some of the pitfalls of picking a property of like where to buy and what, you know, what kind of features matter. And like, I don't know anything about that. So Michael, can you help our audience understand how
1: to buy right in this Airbnb world? Absolutely. So first and foremost, right, the cash flow from this is incredible. But I tell all my owners, because now they're like, hey, where should I get the next one? And I always tell them this, make sure whatever you buy, if you had to rent it out on a 12 month lease, that it will still cash flow. Okay. Always make sure that it will still cash flow. Because if- Something crazy happens, some regulation changes down the line, whatever. I never want to put a partner or investor of mine in a situation where they're not going to cash flow because they only could make it work with a short-term rental model. The way I look at it is this is just the icing, this is the juice where like you can squeeze out as much profit as possible. So buy it right. Let's just put that out there first. Now, from a criteria standpoint, I always like to ask the question, who do I want to serve? Right. So for my I like serving families and couples, right? Families of kids and couples. That's kind of like my bread and butter, at least for a portion of my portfolio, right? I like serving myself quite frankly, right? So (laughs) things that I think of that could help me stand out or when selecting a location is for my New Hampshire property as an example, it's about three minutes from a place called Storyland, which is like the Disneyland of New Hampshire. So it's right there. And then in the winter, we're in between four major ski resorts, Uh, there's a clubhouse that we have access to that our guests have access to with an indoor pool and all that stuff to keep the kiddos entertained in the winter. Um, there's all these different things. And then from an amenity standpoint, you know, I've got pack and plays, high chairs, kids, books, games, like all that extra little stuff. Right. And then for, then for mom and dad, you know, we put out like a bottle of wine and some chocolates and stuff like that just to put a little icing on the cake. Um, but if you think about location, if If you're anywhere near, say, if you want to cater to business travelers, what does a business traveler care about? All right. Is there easy access to an Uber or a train to get wherever they need to go? Is it within, you know, walking distance to restaurants and things like that to make it easy when they're traveling? Uh, In the unit, make sure you get the highest Wi-Fi speed possible, right? I usually put a, a desk or a working station with a Wi-Fi printer, a small little whiteboard that they can write out notes and just think, right? Like I use, I, when I travel now for work, I'll stay in a you know short-term rental and these are little things. A Brita, put a water purifier. I stayed, uh, I was in New York a month or two ago and it sounds so little, but I didn't get there till about 11. I just start to relax. I go to grab a water. There's nothing. I'm like, I'm not drinking this tap water. So I had to put all my stuff back on, go out to the 7-Eleven and buy water. It's like that little stuff that's like an annoyance that you yep. don't want to give a bad taste in the guest mouth. So, um, you know, anywhere near a university, uh, a medical office or a, a specialty medical center, mm-hmm. uh, any, any convention halls, any uh, vocational schools, like a, like a nursing school or some type of trade school where there's like a 13-week program. We get a lot of those, right? So, they're, they're in there for one to two months. They need a place to stay. This is a perfect, perfect uh, property type for them. And then just in general, no matter what market you're in, you're gonna have life events. Like As we were launching, I just got a text, somebody booked my place, because they're coming in town for a wedding, right? There's, there's weddings, funerals, birthday parties, family reunions, no matter where you live, that stuff happens all the time. Yep. So that's kind of a given. And then I always try and pair it with at least being, the deal that I was just telling you about, it's 35, 40 minutes outside of Boston, but you can walk to the train station. That's a 30 minute ride in the city. There's a, a decent sized hospital, a decent sized university, and he's within walking distance to all the downtown restaurants, bars, shops, all that stuff. So like right. all those little pieces together, make it one of the best properties in that market. So if anybody's going to travel to that market, they want to stay at my place. Right. Makes sense. So it comes down to location, just like any, any real estate. Right. And, and, and
0: also your ideal buyer, right? Like who's gonna end up staying at your place. Um, okay, so now I bought this place. Um, one of the I think one of the things that is different about Airbnbs, when I, when I jump in, um, I always jump in at the nicest place I can find. Because I think if the night, you know, I, it's just kind of, because it's cheaper than a hotel anyway. So I, I'm looking at a hotel, it's 300 bucks a night, I'm looking at Airbnb, it's like, 245 or you know maybe 300 so i'm always looking for the nice so talk about what you need to do to prepare a place for airbnb like how much money do you think you need to spend what quality of furniture my guess is because i care about this i want an awesome bed like everything else can suck but an awesome bed matters to me more than i stay at the marriott everywhere i go so and, and that's the reason why because their beds are phenomenal um, but what do you need to do to prep a place for Airbnb?
1: Perfect question. So the, the next key question you want to ask yourself is, do I want to be the Walmart, the target, or the Nordstrom of my market?
0: Okay. Right? Am
1: I, Do I want to be the low price option, the kind of medium, clean, upper, middle option, or do I want to be all out, like top of the line, everything, right? So right. the I'm typically that upper target, like, I stay in that upper target. So my rates could be anywhere from 120 to 400 a night, depending on seasonality. Um, although that Florida property that we're launching in a couple of weeks, that'll be more like a Nordstrom. That'll be very high end, like beachfront property. But for like a target property, right? For a two bedroom, I'd budget about 10,000 to furnish it. That's if you did everything, right? If you're gonna contract it out, it'll be more. Um, but you nailed it with the bed. People ask me all the time, like, what should I put in it? I'm like, don't cheap out on a bed. For the Bed and pillows. Bed yes. pillows, man. Boom. And I'll, I'll throw out a reference for you guys because this mattress is the best bang for the buck and it's so cheap, but it's amazing that I swapped out my ridiculously expensive one at home for this mattress. Really? It's by a company called Zenus Z-I-N-U-S, and you can find it on Amazon. Their 12-inch green tea memory foam mattress lights out. It's like 380 bucks for a queen and everybody asked me, where did you get that mattress? Wow, it's amazing, amazing mattress. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm disappointed
0: with. I'm disappointed sorry, with our that? bed. We have one of those number. We have one of those number. You know, sleep by a number. That's what I had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> twenty thousand dollars, and it's the worst bed I've ever had. And I'm like, I I don't know what to do now. Um, okay, so we we pick a place, we renovate it. I want to know, because we're in the leverage business. So we help real estate companies with admins, paperwork, marketing, so a marketing coordinator, and then we help them in sales support. So calling all of that, like, talk to me about a team that I need to build to support an Airbnb. And at what stage do I need to hire people? And and like, what does that look like? And I know you have a management company and is that the route to go when I'm small, if I'm an investor or if I'm a real estate brokerage or team and I want to do this myself, what does that team look like and, and how would you build it?
1: Yeah, perfect. So the question that I always ask first is what is your time worth, right? Because literally anybody could do this, but like some of the owners that I partner with now Like you, they've run their own businesses. They're very successful. They're making, you know, good money. The opportunity cost for them to learn this system and do it themselves, it's just not worth it for them. So they're happy to pay me and I still make them more. But it's total, I tell them all the time, I'm like, you could definitely do this. I'd be happy to teach them, right? Mm -hmm. But um, from a team perspective, the lifeblood of your business will revolve around your cleaners, right? So first off, you're not allowed to clean your property. Anybody watching this? I catch you cleaning your own property, you're in trouble. Okay. Your time is best spent in business development and acquisitions. Don't ever clean your property. Right. Um, and I'm happy to, to give out some resources for that if you want after on how to do that, but you're going to want cleaners. So uh, cleaners, I rely on heavily not only to clean the property, but also to help me restock it, right? Because these yes. properties aren't close to me. So Every time, it's just systems, right? So I've got a checklist of everything that I need in the property from a supply standpoint. After each clean, they fill it out. They text me the photo or they text my virtual assistant the photo. That's and better. They, exactly. And then they let me know when do I need to reorder stuff? And I, I usually shoot to do one big supply run a month. I'll order it you know, to either from Amazon or even better, I'll order it to the local Walmart, have them pick it up, bring it over to the property, restock it, Send me the photos and rinse and repeat. Um, If you're not, as I like to say, aesthetically inclined from a design standpoint, like myself, luckily my beautiful wife is an interior designer, so I luck out with that. Um, But you're going to want to have, if you don't, interior design can get expensive. But if you if you have somebody that's got good taste, you know, give them a budget and have them, you know, look at the property. You know, what would you do? I always recommend whatever property you get, put it put a sleeper sofa in the living room. The name of the game is heads and beds. Okay. You don't want it to be 30 people with a one bedroom. Heads and
0: beds. Heads and beds. I love
1: it, man. Right. So my two bed, two bath, New Hampshire chalet, that'll sleep eight people comfortably because we've got bunks in the kid's room with a queen bed. Then the master has a a queen bed. And then we've got a queen sleeper sofa. And we've got two full bathrooms. So the more people that you can fit, the more income you can generate. Got and it. the more affordable your property becomes for parties. Um, then obviously, just like any real estate, you're going to want like a handyman and then all your trades, right? Like a plumber, electrician, anything like that. Uh, you can do it without a virtual assistant for a little while, but I, after probably five properties, I got one just to help. But this, the technology now that I, that I leverage and, you know, I've got a a free class that I can share out at the end where I walk everybody through all that. Yeah. You can automate, honestly, probably 90% of the business all the way from the locks that I use. You know, somebody books, a, books, my place. It integrates directly with Airbnb and it'll send them all the email, like everything. And it that right, code yeah. is only valid from 4 PM on check-in to 11 AM on checkout. And then it automatically expires. So I don't have what? to
0: one question I was reading the Wall Street Journal the other day and a bunch of you guys are using Alexa now in your units. Are you one of those guys? Like do you have like a you know an Alexa that answers questions on the property? Like I, I haven't straight-
1: gone I haven't gone that far yet. I do have a, an Alexa hub in one of them to control a couple of things but yeah. I haven't programmed it to answer questions. Okay. So you, can get, you can definitely get fancy with it. Yeah. Um, one thing though along that lines is having a a detailed house manual virtual digitally Mm -hmm. that I sent to them in advance, but also a printed copy there is crucial. Otherwise they're just going to be asking you a million questions when you could easily put it on paper and just let them know, like, where do I park? Where do I, how do I use, we have a a wood burning fireplace. Like how do I use that? I want them to know exactly (laughs) how to use that. Right? (laughs) Stuff like that. Um, yeah. I use the, the Nest smoke detectors. So if there's ever an issue, yep. I know I want to know immediately. Um, right. A buddy of mine uh, started a company called NoiseAware. Amazing company. And it looks, it's about the size of this like Apple mouse and it plugs into right. an outlet and it measures noise levels. So <clears throat> it doesn't record conversations or anything like that, but it just measures decibels. So I can set it. So my quiet hour is 10 p.m. to 8 a.m., if they start making some noise, I get a text message immediately. Nice. And then I just text the guest, and I'm like, hey, I don't want to be uh, the party pooper, but I just got a noise complaint from one of my neighbors. As you agreed, our house manual, uh, our policies are quiet hours, 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. Please tone it down. And, right, and that's only happened maybe three to four times over the last couple of years. And every time they're like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't realize it. You know, if you get somebody that's crazy, then you just have somebody on your team Or you just call the police and say, you're out of here. Like, I'm not dealing with that. So between between the noise aware, the ring cameras, the doorbell cams, we put in all the properties, the Wi-Fi locks. Um, We use a special uh, insurance policy that's just for short-term rentals. So it's like a blended homeowners with a commercial liability policy. That's for short-term rental operators. Right. Um, Right. So that kind of system helps me keep my eyes on all my properties, no matter where they are. And it controls the access, right? Because that's, from, from my standpoint, that's the most commonly question that I get asked is like, okay, like I spent all this money. It sounds great. You can make a bunch of cash flow. But like, I don't want people trashing my place, man. And I'm like, neither do I. Trust me. I got a lot of money sunk into my place. I don't want that either. And with the right system. What do
0: you, what do, you do if somebody trashes your place? I know you have had this happen or you know somebody who has had that happen. Like somebody rents it, they throw a stupid party and you're like, there's $10,000 worth of damages. What do you do, Michael?
1: Yep. So, the reason I have all this tech now is because that happened one time, right? So, yep. The, what you do, it depends on the booking platform, but for Airbnb as an example, right, um, I rented to some younger college students at one point, like two weeks after I just finished this renovation on that first property, right. Wow. So, they got there, they like, they just made a mess. They ripped the, the ladder off the bunk bed, there was beer everywhere urine on the floor, whatever. It was just like ridiculous, right? Oh. So what you need to do is you need to have your cleaning team take photos of everything that was broken. You submit a claim through Airbnb or you request money from the guests. They're probably going to deny it. Then it gets escalated to Airbnb. And then you just have to provide proof, like images. And then I also provide either receipts or like an Amazon link to the actual towels that got ruined, right? So then you justify the, how much you're asking for. Right. And then you just submit that through and it goes through a review process and they'll either, you know, award it in your favor or not, but you have to submit it before the next guest checks in. So if you've got gotcha. somebody checking out at 11 and somebody else checking in at four, you have to get everything submitted in that five hour window.
0: Yeah. But okay. I'm a business guy and you're a business guy and the person says pound sand and Airbnb says pound sand. What's not, what do I do now?
1: you got one of two options. You can either put it through the insurance company or you just eat it quite frankly. Because at the yeah. end of the day, if I can generate, there's always going to be headaches. That one incident, that should never ever happen again based on the systems that I just told everybody about. Because if somebody is throwing a party, I'm going to know immediately and I'm going to go break it up.
0: Right. Right. You're going yeah. to handle business and protect your asset is what you're talking exactly. about.
1: Exactly. Where okay, I just waited till the next day and then it's too late.
0: Let's talk about the other thing that nobody likes to talk about that's super uh, prevalent in your world. All the counties and the cities are banning Airbnb. So I don't want to buy a property and then have the little area say, sorry, Daniel, you're out. You can't rent anymore and you can't do even short-term rentals you know on any platform or even through third parties and i'm like yep now what
1: yeah so <clears throat> the majority of them are not banning them outright what they're trying to do is prevent guys like us from going in and buying an apartment complex and making the whole thing short term rentals right so the right. most common regulations that i've seen are owner occupied or they'll number they'll issue so many permits in that zoning area or they'll limit the number of days in that area. So if you're an agent and your uh, client is buying a property that they want to rent out themselves when they're not using it, you're going depending on the market, that they should be in the clear, quite frankly. Like my vacation house, right. I'm not worried about that. I can, I'm, I own it and it's, it's different if you're trying to go mass scale. That's a little bit different. Right. Then you got to pick right. your markets. But I will say it's just a general rule of thumb I avoided Boston because any city, probably Sacramento is the same way. I don't know for sure. Right. But any city that has a lack of quote unquote, affordable housing, they will smash down regulation because they look at us as taking inventory off the street from an investor standpoint. Right. Like if I go up and scoop up a 20 unit complex, they're like, that was 20 units that could have housed people permanently or you know what I mean? So. I typically stay about 30 to 45 minutes outside of those markets. And then I'll look for landlords that have, you know, duplexes. Maybe they live in one or people that house hack. This is the best house hacking strategy ever, quite frankly, because the amount of cash flow you can generate off this is insane. Um, But if you have
0: like... Wait, 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 wait. Some of our audiences and as cool as you, what is house hacking?
1: Sure. So house hacking, basically, if you... You buy a, a duplex or a three, uh, three family, you live in one unit and the other tenants pay you rent every month and you basically live for free or very subsidized. If you're living in a unit and you're putting the other two on Airbnb or as a short-term rental, you're gonna profit handsomely from those other two units, not just you know, break even. Or if you had you know, a three or four bedroom house and you were renting it out by the bed, you could do that as a short-term rental as well and definitely increase your cash flow. So that's what, you know, house hacking
0: yep. is. House hacking. I love it. We're, yep. we're learning all kinds of things. Heads and beds and house hacking. Um, okay. So be careful with the regulation. Um, go outside of the major cities because they're getting very um, regulatory on us. Um,
1: and the, the key term to, to look for just as a rule of thumb, right? Just Google like short-term rental ordinance, your city name. right? Right. And just kind of see where they see where they are. Some of them welcome it. Some of them are like, absolutely not. But even the ones that say absolutely not, it's typically if you're an owner occupant, you're going to be fine.
0: You know, what's interesting too, is even here, because we're in Tahoe National Forest, and it's it's the county is called Placer. And I'm supposed to if I lease out my my cabin, I'm supposed to pay a 10% tax, but nobody does that. And so I think the, if you do, if you just follow the rules in the Airbnb space, I think you'll be fine is my guess. And just be smart about where last question. Um, Cause we've, we've got to wrap up in about five, 10 minutes. Um, and then we're going to, if anybody has any questions, you can put them here. Michael is going to be, I'm sure he'll follow the Facebook stuff on our page. And if anybody wants any uh, additional resources or support, this guy is awesome. He'll do that. Um, but here's, here's the, I I know that a lot of people are doing it with no money down where they're doing management companies. How do you finance? I mean, can you go to a bank and say, Hey, I'm buying a, a, a second home. My plan is Airbnb. Here's my business model. Will they lend to you at this moment?
1: It depends. That's one of the industries that I'm really looking forward to. And there was a guest speaker at that event in Puerto Rico this week who started a company to do exactly that. And he got the former CFO of Airbnb on his company. So that, that, will, nice. uh, that will be growing very soon. So for me, the way I did it with my property is I didn't need the, the income to qualify for the loan. So I just bought it as a second home. Um, but, right. what a lot of, but what you can do now is you could either use a site like AirDNA to like mm-hmm. say, Hey, this, these are all the comps in this exact market. And this is the exact revenue they brought in last year. And it just depends. Like if you're working with a local lender, they might be a little more flexible than if you're trying to go up to the Wells Fargo's of the world. Um, right. Especially if they're a portfolio lender, meaning they, they hold the loans in house and they don't try and sell it off to, to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and all that stuff. Um, but it, it's still such a new thing that there's really nobody doing it at that level right now from a financing standpoint. So how how new
0: is it? How new is it? You know, in that adoption curve, where are we in the adoption curve right now?
1: I think what what we're going to see over the next three to five years is you're going to see a lot more big players coming in and trying to gobble up as much as they can. Right. So there's a company uh, called, uh, Lyric that just raised like $170 million f- to basically go out and like master lease complexes and then build complexes just for short-term rentals. Uh, Marriott's got this new Bonvoy program that they're coming out and trying to partner with some different folks on that, right? So I feel like you're going right. to see a lot more of these bigger players coming into the space. So it's going to be even more important to have your systems and everything dialed in so that you can continue to compete, right? So Interesting. Interesting. From- a fun fact though, just from, because the question is, am I, am I too late to the party, right? As a fun sure. fact, right, there's, I had it up here just a second ago. There are currently, every single night, there's at least 2 million people staying at an Airbnb every Jeez. night. And then 1.4 million new people are signing up every week, which is ridiculous. I mean, that's just massive. Every week. So, it's just ramping up. I feel like it's, it's one of those things where the, the cat's out of the bag now. Like no matter what they try and do from a regulation standpoint, like it's not going away because it, everybody loves it. To your point, like why would I want to spend double at a hotel when I could stay at a beautiful house? Like there's going to be way too much pushback and there's a lot, more, a lot more groups that are starting to form that are going to be a lot more active on the lobbying front to compete against these huge hotel lobbyists, quite frankly. So,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Michael, we're going to wrap up. Um, who, how, what are you going to give away? Cause you're getting give away a copy of your book. Um, and also let's tell people how to get a hold of you. Um, the, the simple fact is, you know, you've got the, I don't, I don't know if everybody likes this analogy or not, but I'm, I'm a crawl, walk, run guy and you're obviously running. So in the Airbnb world, you've got your systems down, you've been doing this a while. Um, how would somebody move forward or get connected with you and, and learn more?
1: Yeah, for sure. So you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook I'm at the Airbnb guy. I put out a lot of free content. I've got a, a free 60-minute you know, training that anybody can go and watch and I kind of break down the different systems that I use. I've got a full-on coaching program for folks that are you know, looking to get started in that. Um, and I'm giving away the, the new book that I wrote, it's a, it's a nice read. It reads more like a field manual. It's the Airbnb guys, uh, 13 must have items for your short-term rental. So it's 13 different things that'll help you create a better guest experience. And a lot of them, most people aren't doing. So it's a nice little, um, nice little manual for you to help stand out. So if you go to strsecrets.com slash gift, you can get that, that ebook. Um, and I think it'll, After you download it, it'll probably share a link with you to the webinar or the free class that I have, but that's just strsecrets.com if folks want to watch that. You can watch it with me live I'll actually be live tonight. Or if they're impatient like me, you can watch last week's recording because I know for me, I'm like, I want to watch it now. So
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, Michael, (laughs) this has been awesome, man. Um, What's the last piece of advice you would give somebody who's, and, and remember our audience are mega teams in the top 10, five of them are currently clients and they all have some additional stream of revenue. Property management is a big one. Um, But what advice would you give to real estate people who are thinking about adding this on to to their existing business?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the stat is the average millionaire has seven streams of income, right? So for me, I'm always looking to add streams that are kind of you know, spokes on my hub. So if it's around real estate or different things, like it all plays in, right? Property management, coaching, all these different things are all part of this wheel. Right. Um, so for you, I think it's a huge value add for your clients. And I'm not trying to say that to pitch it, but if, if you have clients that are even remotely interested in this, you yep. being a resource for them is going to be huge. Or somebody on your team that really knows this stuff will be huge. Right. Um, I'm For that Florida property, as an example, I'm relying heavily on that agent to help me build my team down there right now. Sure. And then once, once we get the right team in place, I'll take it from there. But having that as a resource has been a massive help. So if you can be that for your, for your clients, and then if you want to take it a step further and offer the property management service, like I said, I'm not trying to push this on anybody, but if you watch the class, it's, I show you all the tools that I use to run it in less than two hours a week, a portfolio in three different states. So right, like right. you can easily add this as another revenue stream and a service for your clients for sure.
0: And it sounds like a virtual assistant could absolutely run a hundred percent of that.
1: Yeah. All the folks that I was with in Puerto Rico that have hundreds of units. Yes. They're run by virtual assistants. The Perfect. whole thing. Well, we're the cleaners and boots on the ground to help you restock. Everything else can be automated with virtual assistants.
0: All right. We just dropped the mic. Um, Michael Sogren. I love it because Sogren, that's how we know him. <laughs> Michael, um, the Airbnb guy, you've been awesome. Thanks for sharing and dropping some knowledge and love to our audience. Guys, if you, yeah, Dolores wants to know, what was the name of that mattress? Thanks, Dolores, because I also wanted to know, what was the name of the where where you can get that mattress? Because everybody wants a good night's
1: (laughs) sleep. It's, uh, the brand is called Zenus Z-I-N-U-S. And it's their 12-inch green tea memory foam mattress. Comes in a box, it's all like, packed and sealed and then you just let it air out for a day and it's sweet dreams, baby.
0: (laughs) Uh, There you go, man. All right, Michael. Again, thanks for your time. Thanks for being here. We appreciate you.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys.